Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Just a quick disclaimer, you may hear some background noise uh, when we first start off the podcast. We are living in unprecedented times, and Eric Rivera is someone who I've been excited to get on the podcast forever. It just happened that uh, at this time, his family was in town, so you may hear uh, some siblings, some uh, kids in the background just a little bit, not too much, and then uh, then they finally about 20 minutes in depart. So I just want to prepare you for that background noise that you may hear in the background. So uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sharing the episodes. I hope you're having an engaging day, a story-worthy week. And with that said, here is... Eric Rivera. What's your biggest challenge right now, E? When I when I look at you, you seem to be a guy that has it all together. You, you have you got that's, that's for the gram, dude. That's for the gram. That's for the gram, man. It's all listen. That's why I tell people don't don't pay attention to social media, man. You're only seeing the hits. You're only seeing the 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 finished product that we want you to see. Uh, it's all it's all a struggle, man. You you know. You look at the the pandemic. You had, you know, I I, I do stand up. So now also I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a virtual teacher. I'm teaching second grade, and, and that's a, a struggle in itself because now I got to go back and like, oh man, I don't remember how to do this. Now there's new ways of teaching kids. You know, they're they're struggling because they they want to be out and see their friends and doing stuff. Um, you know, marriage is a struggle because yeah yeah we you, you fill out these vows of like till death do its part but you don't think it's gonna be 24 7 you know if you look if you look a lot of marriages didn't make it the divorce rate spiked because people were like yeah i love you but not all the time i need some space uh and then you know stand up dude like you you were with me stand up went away stand up didn't exist so what we chose as a career, what we chose as a life, like what we called ourselves every day, like I'm a stand-up comedian, world shuts down. It's like, oh, that doesn't exist no more. It's like there was no, uh, there was no validation of your your life choices. So yeah, dude, <laughs> I struggle. Don't don't listen to the gram. The gram, the gram's a lie. Talk to me about the the validation of your life choices. Tell me more about that because that's an interesting way to phrase that because a lot of people lost their their jobs their work their career their identity tell me more about that validation of life choices well man you you know like uh, from the standard point you know i i gave up everything to do this this is something i believed i was good at you know you yourself you're a stand-up comic you you believe you're you're good at this so we're chasing this dream uh, you know, and with every show we get better, with every show we get stronger, every opportunity, you know, we see that forward progress, you know, you know, I, I, I stopped going to college because I, I, this is how much I believed in this, you know, my mom, my parents, you know, immigrant parents, like their, their whole belief system was, you know, we came to this country, worked our asses off. You're going to go to college and you're going to make something better of yourself. And that was always the goal. And then while I was in college, I found stand-up comedy and to wholeheartedly believe this is what I was meant to do and to go, you know what, I'm going to stop going to college because I'm going to pursue this. 
you know, so that becomes your life. That becomes your identity. That becomes, you know, I'm a stand-up comic and I'm going to do all the shows, you know, I'm going to do all the bad bar shows. I'm going to do the open mics. I'm going to do these shows where people don't even want stand-up to be better. And then finally, you know, before everything gets shut down and taken away, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm getting some recognition. I've, I've got some accolades under my belt. I was, you know, I did an HBO special. I did uh, the HBO series at Penos, and I'm feeling good about the way things are going. And then the world shuts down and it's all, all gone. It's, everything's gone. Not even just like, oh, you're not going to be on TV no more. You're not going to do everything. Like I can't even get up on a, at an open mic because they, they don't exist. We're, we're, we're labeled as non-essential. And everything you've been working towards is, is gone. And you're just like, what, what happened? You know, and that, and that messes with your head. Yeah, to be to feel like you're non-essential. That that's a word that came up that d- didn't exist pre-pandemic. And Oof. you know, you find out who the essential workers are and the non-essential and yeah. you know, before the pandemic, we, we were all feeling good about the work we were doing, right? Like we were contributing, like we were part of something bigger. I mean, you know, they say laughter uh, you know, is is the medicine, right? It it heals mm. all things. And then to be told you're non-essential is like, wait, are, are, does laughter heal or are we, are we non-essential? Like those two don't seem to go together. And so what were those conversations you were having with yourself? Well, in the beginning, you know, we, I think we all believed it. It's, ah, it's going to be like a couple of weeks. We're like, ah, I'll be all right. I'll just, you know, I'll get a little rusty. And then, you know, those, those weeks start stretching into months and uh, you know, you start, thinking about the career as a whole. Um, and I, I think some people pivoted. I was one of those people to pivot. Don't get me wrong. I saw some of my, my fellow comedians, my fellow colleagues struggle because, you know, that's all they have. That's all they want to do. Uh, and I tried, you know, calling a couple of them and, you know, just getting their mind right. But, you know, I pivoted in the sense of like, all right, well, once this comes back, there's going to be a mad dash to the clubs. Well, what can I do to prolong this career? You know, that was that 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 became my my vision and my focus for after the pandemic. Because you know, we 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 look around. There's there's some successful comedians, you know, uh, and some of them they just straight do stand up. And then there's some successful comedians that have that have switched it up and done other stuff to prolong their careers. So, you know, I've got a family, I got kids, and for me, I'm like, you know. Do I really, when things open back up, do I really want to go back out on the road? We don't know what this is. We don't have a handle on it. Like we constantly hear new variants popping up. I'm like, I don't want to be out on the road and catching whatever. So what can I do? So I, you know, I started taking writing courses. I started, uh, you know, I signed up for masterclass, started taking some of those because I'm trying to find other tools to give myself a well-rounded career. I love that idea of pivoting and adding more tools to your arsenal because so many times we can get caught up in our identity of I'm this, I'm that. And, and so when it's taken away, we could go, well, if I'm not that anymore, I'm nothing. Oh yeah. It looks like you thought about how do I expand and think about the longevity? How do I have, I love how you reframed it. You're like, all right, it went from I'm a comedian to how do I prolong my career, which then allowed you to be more flexible in how you approached it? How does it feel yeah. expanding your, your 
your toolbox, putting more tools in there and, and taking the classes? It feels good, man. Cause you know, you and I know, you know, you're in this industry long enough. It's like, it's, it's, it's the world of no's. You can't, you go into every meeting. Hey, we got this. Nah, we're good. Uh, what about this? No, nah, we don't want that. Or if you luckily do sell something of like, oh, this is the show. It's the Leo Flower show. They go, okay, uh, now we need a writer. So why not take your career into your own hands where you can go, well, I can write it. Well, I, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. Because, I, yeah, I, you know, also during the pandemic, I'm watching a lot of these, these younger, you know, influencers on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok. And I'm like, yo, they not only, you know, because sometimes as, as comics, we look at it like, ah, they just they just write silly sketches. But really analyzing it's like yo they are writing they're editing they're producing and we're over here acting like oh i i, I write jokes i'm like no we need to learn all the skill set because they're miles ahead of us don't get me wrong a lot of them will do one-nighters at comedy clubs and sell out and the stand-up's not there but they're doing the other stuff and i'm just like yo we need to be doing the other stuff we can't keep you're making fun of them because they're doing something right, you know? Um, Absolutely. And, and for the listeners out there, I don't want you to feel like, well, I'm not a comedian. I can't relate. What we're not really talking about stand up here. What we're talking about is learning and developing skill sets outside of what you're doing so that you can have a prolonged career. And yeah, listen, you you don't have to be a stand-up comic. If at any point, and we've all been there where we're whatever job we're doing, whatever we're doing in life, we always go, Oh, I can do that better. But we don't, we just sit back and just let it be the way that we'll find out how to do better. Like I, I was blown away by you know, a couple of my friends who decided, yeah, I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna start my own career, I'm gonna do this, and launched small businesses and are, are doing successful for themselves because. You know, like like I said, we learned it at the at the drop of a hat, snap of a finger, it was all gone. It was all gone. So why not try to find those things to to prolong that career, prolong your life, and and be happy about it? Yeah, a lot of times, I you know, I, I, I that's the mentality that I've adopted because historically, when I've made money, I've spent my money on things that uh, were, uh, what do you call non-essential. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like uh, food, <laughs> drugs, alcohol, sex, like just things that weren't developing any type of value that weren't any mm -hmm. that weren't asset producing. And now I'm thinking that, like you said, taking classes, I'm taking guitar classes. I was taking uh, sign language classes. Just how do I build up different skills and assets, not really knowing how I'm going to use them, but just recognizing that I have to be doing more and learning more than what I have because that's not right. going to help me in the long run. Yeah. You being married and having two kids, did you take that approach also to your relationships like, wow, I don't have the communication skills that I I thought <laughs> that that I that I needed for this. And so, are you have you guys had couples therapy or individual therapy? Well, stubbornly I did not. Uh, and I think that's that's what happened. They put a lot of pressure on relationships through it. You know, that's why some of them didn't make it because um, we just thought we could keep doing the same things we were doing. You know, it, it, it's man, it, it's a different dynamic when there is no absence. 
you know, like I, I joke around about it on stage. I'm like, you know, my, my wife used to go to work and I would do my own thing. And at, at the end of the day, you got something to talk about. But you're right, like the communication struggled because we didn't have that absence. We were around each other all the time. So it's like you can't have those same conversations like, oh, what'd you do today? Like you were here all day. You saw what I did. What are you what are you talking about? Like, um, but I, you know, I will say I did I did seek solo therapy because I was like, yo, I need to learn how to communicate. I need to learn how to open up about these things. You know, it's 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 I, I read this thing where it's like it's cyclical. You're just repeating what you learned from your family. And don't get me wrong, my family was not healthy in that way. So for me to break that cycle and to pass that on to my kids, download that new software to them, I need to better myself because they're going to learn from me. They're going to pick that up from me. What what cycle, uh, what part of that cycle are you trying to break up that you were raised with? Just the, the closed offness of it all. You know, my, you know, my father was a man of few words. Uh, you know, I had this joke in my act. I was like, I think he told me he loved me one time. And it was just because he, he paused. He was like, I love you to get out in front of the television. Like he wasn't an emotional dude. So I tried to be, you know, emotional with my kids. Uh, he didn't talk much. I think towards the end, like before he passed him and my mother, maybe one or two words to each other. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is the person you spend the rest of your life with. It's insane. How did they, how did they meet? Was it, was it, did they, was it a beautiful love story between your, your dad and, and mama? Or was it an arranged <laughs> marriage? Was it, <laughs> what, was it a kidnapping situation? Uh, they met at work. Uh, my father approached her and my mother said, oh, he's full of it. And she didn't want to date him. That's the story I've been told. And then somehow they just started dating. Um, and that was it. Like, it, it was not romantic. Like you ever ask your parents, <laughs> it's never, ah, oh, so I'm across the room, the music stopped, everything moved slow motion. <laughs> that my mother tells the story. Like he approached me, he said, Hey, can I take it to dinner? I was like, ah, he's full of it, but I wanted to eat. So, okay. I was like, well, <laughs> it's like, this is the story you're telling your kids. Like, that's not the story I want to download to my kids. Like, how'd you and mommy? You know, she was there and, uh, we were hungry. Yeah, it's a short movie. It's it's a commercial. It's not it's yeah. not even a long drawn out. No courtship. No no romancing. No letters back and forth. None of that. Exactly. So in, in therapy, you talked about going to individual therapy. Were there emotions or feelings that you weren't aware that were there? Yeah, I, it's every day, man. I I learned something because you know we we and sort I understand of understand that your wife is. It sounds like your wife is right there. <laughs> no, 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 it's a family. But no, no, you normalize a lot of the stuff growing up. You know, we sometimes you look back at your childhood and you laugh like, oh, that's funny. And then you know when you sit with somebody, they're like, nah, that's not normal. You you get hit with a, a belt buckle like that's not that's not a normal thing. You know, and, and you learn all these things. You just say, oh, man, like even like the the, the, the greatest uh, just mental glitch, if I can call it almost like the Matrix, where you just like, wait, whoa. Like when you have your own kids and you start doing stuff with them and you're like, wait, why didn't, why didn't my parents do this? You know, I, I remember when my kids were born and, you know, reading these books and articles, like hey, if you talk to them and explain to them, they understand. But like my parents were so busy, they have time to talk to me and explain. It's like, Hey, go do this. Why? Cause I said so. 
And then you have your kids and you're like, oh, I need you to do this, buddy. Why? Well, because this, this, and this. Okay. And then also this, this, and this. And they go, oh, like they're little people. They they get it. They just want to be talked to and, and treated like people. And like, you don't realize those little things. Like, you know, you pick up a kid and they start screaming and throwing a tantrum. You're, you're literally like, think about it. You as a person, if you're just standing somewhere, mind your own business, somebody picks you up, be like, yo, what the hell? But they can't vocalize that. They can't verbalize that because they're too, they're too small. So, you know, that, that messes with your head when you, when you have kids and if you don't seek the help, you're just like, wait, why is this, why is this happening? Why am I feeling these emotions? What, what messages did, did you receive from your dad or from society growing up about what being a man was or what being a man is? And, and then also, you know, now that you're a father, what being a father and a husband means? Uh, you know, in, in the Latin culture, it's very much, and I think this is, you know, even the, uh, the old school way of thinking is like, you don't show emotion. Like, that's not a thing. You know, if I, if you cry, you're, uh, you look down upon, oh, don't be a girl. Don't cry. Like I, I remember all uh, that all the time. You know, I played little league. Like, oh, no, you know, you, you got hurt. Ah, just, just walk it off. Don't cry. Don't be a girl. Um, same thing with communication like me and him really didn't talk much we didn't have the greatest relationship now you know looking back at stuff um you know and with your kids it's like the the dad never really was involved like you know my dad didn't take me to parks he didn't do stuff with me like we didn't have like uh father sundays or anything like I, i remember i did school plays and things and he never showed up because that just that wasn't the norm and now, you know, with the job I do and my wife, she works, you know, she's got the, the corporate job, white college. I'm, I'm home with the kids because, you know, with stand up, I, I do gigs at night. And then during the day, I, I'm with them. So it's a, just a different dynamic of, you know, being involved with them, being emotional with them. You know, if they feel a certain way, I let them explore those feelings. You know, this times my kids like, I'm mad. I'm like, why, why are you mad? Because this isn't this. I was like, well, be mad, dude. I can embrace that. You got it. You got to, because the way I was raised was like, you, you shove it all down and you bottle it up and trust me, dude, I, I'm still working on it. But I remember therapist one time was like, Hey, one day you're going to have to open that box. You've been shoving everything in this box. One day you're going to have to open it because if you don't, it's going to start bursting out and it's going to start messing with you. And, but he, and, he, and he told me, he's like, listen, it's gonna, it's gonna suck when you open that box, but you have to go through it. We have to go through these emotions that you've never confronted. And that's not, dude, that's not healthy. How do you go through the box of emotion? <laughs> Very carefully, slowly. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, dude, it, 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 it's, 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 it's very, it's new to me. Cause like I said, growing up, I wasn't emotional. I didn't, you know, confront any of this stuff. So there's times where like we'll tackle an issue and you know, my wife, she's she's supportive. So she'll be like, hey, you know, what you guys talking about? And I'm, I'll, I'll let her know. I'm like, I'm not ready to talk about that yet right now. <laughs> I have to, I have to still figure out how I feel about it. Cause sometimes you don't know how you feel about it, and that's okay too. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in a household where uh either mom was pissed or cool. And yeah. that was it. Those are the only two emotions. And and now I I have a, a emotional wheel, a feelings wheel on my laptop. 
and I printed one out because I'm like, I don't know how to label the other emotions. I, I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know that that. Oh, I felt I was feeling hurt or I was yeah. feeling powerless or humiliated. The other day, uh, a new emotion I labeled uh, nauseated. I was like, wow, that made me feel nauseated. And I, you know, mm -hmm. so it, it's actually at first it was scary and intimidating and uh, and it felt too vulnerable yeah. to, to be talking about emotions. And now it's actually fun and exciting to be able to label exactly how I feel because now it's easier to express it, you know, because like mm -hmm. you said, your girl is like, how do you feel about you know, the session, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. have the vocabulary for it. Yeah. And, and now that I'm, um, it's kind of like, you know, building up that emotional skill set of, I know exactly how I feel right now. Yeah. And now I feel more empowered instead of embarrassed. Oh yeah. It, it, dude, it, it's so awesome to like explore all that and learn how you really feel. Cause you know, like same way, same with my family, like get two emotions, like happy or mad. And that was it. And, you know, going through it and, now with my wife, like she'll like, oh, how was that gig? You know, going back to the stand-up of it, it's like, oh, how was that? You know, before it was like, oh, I was mad. Why were you mad? I don't know. It was just, it was, it wasn't a good gig. And now being able to express, like, oh, I feel, I feel hopeless. Like, what do you mean you feel hopeless? Well, because the club did this, this, and this, and I feel like I had no power, I had no say. And then it's like, wow, now you're able to verbalize everything you're feeling and realize why back in the day you were just mad for no reason. It's because of all of these things. How, so when you f are feeling hopeless and powerless, how did you traditionally handle those emotions versus how are you handling it now that you're aware and able to label it? Or is it the same? You're still figuring? Uh, I, try to, I try to sit with it. I try to come up with a plan to tackle it uh, or confront it and figure out how to deal with it. Um, the way I used to handle it was, again, bottle it up. And I would do this thing that uh, a lot of our colleagues and some of our friends, like uh, comedian Mal Hall and my wife say, uh, I would Rivera smile it, where I'd bottle it up and smile and everything was okay. And that is not healthy. <laughs> it is not healthy, right? Because at some point, like I said, it, 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 it expresses itself in either some passive aggressive way or uh, you start to feel disconnected in your relationships yeah. because... Uh, you know, here's a person who you've decided to spend the rest of your life with. And now you're starting to feel like they don't get you. But really, it's because, you know, we don't have the vocabulary to express ourselves. So they don't know what the entry point is. And yeah. now there's this this space that's developing between you two. Oh, yeah. And 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 if you don't know how to 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 deal with it, then you're yelling at them and you're getting defensive with them. Like there, there, there's many times where my wife would be like, oh, I don't feel like. I feel like we're disconnected. I don't feel like we're connected. And I'd get mad. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm sitting right here. We're, we're watching, we're watching squid games. What do you mean we're not connected? Okay. Well, we're not communicating. Like I'm talking to you right now. And, and you start spinning, not realizing what she's saying. She's like, I, I, I don't, I, I can see something is bothering you and you're just not verbalizing it. I, I want to help. Like that's pretty much what they're saying, but we aren't, program that way especially if you had parents that you know didn't talk to you didn't teach you how to communicate and you're you, you begin fighting and, and dude you, then you're sitting in the car you go out for a walk and you you know you don't understand what the fight was about like i don't i don't know how did we get there we were watching this show and then also we're not connecting what do you mean it's your gut feeling like i don't understand what she's saying and and 
and then you you just uh, so furious about it and and uh, you just spiral out of control man right i don't understand what she's saying because i don't understand how i'm feeling yeah right and, and she's and, trying to help you by the right. way she's trying to help and and so um well i forgot what i was going to ask you but um when was the last time you cried man uh last time i cried what was today thursday uh tuesday <laughs> tuesday was it a commercial nah it was Onions? uh nah you know just dealing with stuff man dealing with family stuff and you know going back to being able to express that i'm i'm feeling lost or hopeless when it comes to certain things you know i'm, I'm dealing with a lot on my plate that's why i say don't you know sometimes look the, the instagram the facebook the tiktok that's all the hits man but you know dealing with family issues dealing with you know stuff with my mother as she's getting older and her health dealing with my kids you know it, it just weighs on you and sometimes you you know you just got to let it out so that's the new eric being able to express those feelings and to cry it out you know there's no shame in that instead of just bottling it up and not dealing with it now how did your wife receive that and i'm, I'm asking because I'm, I'm realizing that a lot of people feel maybe physically safe in their relationship but maybe not emotionally safe like not emotionally right. safe enough especially as a man yeah cry in front of your wife and and then to still feel like she can still look at you as you're a man what was that yeah. experience like for you uh it's good you know she's she's very supportive she's very understanding um you know she was worried about me at, at points uh in our relationship where she's like you're not confronting these things and i'm scared it's gonna start eating you up because you know there has been studies where if you you know bottle things up or you don't deal with certain things your body starts breaking down your body takes all that negative energy and you know you st it starts coming out in other ways or in your health and you know that was always her concern and now that i you know not that i'm the best at it or even like I i'm getting better at it being able to express and let those things out she's you know supportive and don't get me wrong there are there are moments where she'll you know I don't want to say not be supportive, but, you know, because this is new to us at times, I'll express something. She'll say her point, which I'll tell her, like, listen, don't do that because I'm, I'm opening up right now. And again, this is this is all new being able to communicate this. Like, I'm like, don't do that because I'm, I'm opening up right now. That right there makes me want to shut down and pull back. Tell me what that is, because there's so many listeners who are experiencing it and have not had that conversation yet with their wife and may not even recognize it's why they're shutting down. So like, um, you know, sometimes with my wife, we'll have a conversation, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is of, you know, she'll, she'll ask, you know, why did you do that or what happened here? And I'll, I'll explain it. And, you know, human nature, you, whether she agrees or not, she'll disagree with me in a way. And I, I don't want to use the word combative because she's not combative. But, you know, when you have those back and forth with the spouse, sometimes it'll come off like an argument. And that's, that's something I'm learning to deal with, like learning that it, no, there's not an argument, there's a discussion. 
So if you're not new to opening up and being vulnerable, sometimes you'll see that as aggressive, you know, and I'll tell you now, like I'm, I'm one of those people where I don't want to have the argument. Sometimes I'll play an argument out of my head, right? Where I'll go, Oh, I'm going to go do this. You know, I, I think every male comedian has like, Oh, you know, your girl don't want you to go out and have fun or whatever, which there is some truth in that because guys like, you know, cause we don't want to have that whole argument. We play the argument out in our heads and I'm, 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 I'm guilty of doing that too. By the way, that's awful because I'm not giving my wife any credit that she'll understand a certain situation. I'll just play an argument out of my head. Where I'm like, Oh, you know, it's my boys. And I'm using this as an example. Uh, like it's my boy's bachelor party. He wants to go to strip club. Ah, but if <sighs> I tell my wife I want to go to strip club, oh, that's that's what you want to see. Like, nah, that's not what I want to see. Oh yeah, but you're gonna go and like you play that whole argument on your head. And you go, you know what? I don't even want to deal with it. Fuck it. I'm just gonna stay home, right? So you're not even giving your spouse that the the credit of being able to have that conversation and talk to you. So back to having that emotional thing where you go, oh, this is how I feel. Wait, what do you mean that's how you feel? You'll read that. What, what do you mean that's how you feel as an aggressive, like, whoa, hold on. You, you tell me to communicate, open up. You got you to hear me out here. You got to be open to what I'm telling you. So now I'm at a point where I can communicate that to my wife, where I'll tell her something or I'll tell her how I feel or I'll tell her how I read a situation. Because sometimes, you know, you'll be put in a situation where you both read it a certain way and I'll be able to explain it to her and explain also like, hey, don't do that because I don't want to shut down on you because then that becomes a bigger problem. Yeah. When we expose ourselves in our in our emotional. Yeah, because uh, that's, that's terrifying, especially if you've never done it. Wow. Terrifying. Terrifying. So, so what are you terrified of? Right now, at any time I have to express how I feel, man. It's still terrifying. It's it's like a high wire act, which is funny because we get up on stage and we bear personal details about us. But it it's it's funny because it's in a you know we've done it so long we have a, almost a control. And then when you are in a in a discussion with someone, there is no control. So that I think that's the most terrifying part. Like I'm gonna expose this, but I also have no control of how you're gonna react to it. With comedy, I'm like, I'm going to expose this, but I'm, I'm doing it in a funny way so I know what I'm doing here and you really can't hurt me. So the terrifying part is that we're going to lose control. And if we lose control or are out of control or not in control, then what? What, what do you think happens? Then, man, that's, that's when my mind starts racing and playing tricks on me. Like you, you think the worst case scenario, you know? Like in my head, it'll, you know, I'm going to expose myself. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to spiral out of control. And, you know, we're going to get to, you know, whether it's with me and my spouse, like I'm going to get into arguments or whether it's just me alone. Like I, this is not good because then, you know, a lot of it too is like now I'm, 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 I'm going through the baggage of relationship with me and my father. Like I'm not gonna be able to confront him about it. Now I got to live with this and it's going to be, it's just not going to be good or healthy for me to, you know, uncover these things. What part of your relationship with your father was so hurtful? All of it, Leo. We, <laughs> we, uh, you know, um, 
growing up, he wasn't around uh, as much. He was a, he was a big drinker. Um, you know, he was always uh, he was toxic to to my mother. He was toxic to to the family. Um, then you know there was a separation between him and my mother for a while. Then he came back. He was a born again Christian, Pentecostal Christian, which you would think would be a good thing, but at that point, our relationship had been hurt and broken. Uh, and, uh, and not to give him an excuse or an out, but, you know, he was raised a certain way where he didn't know how to communicate. He didn't know how to share those, the feelings he was going through. He didn't know how to, you know, even apologize for what that first half of my childhood was. So we, you know, we were just always like, he was that, Second half of my childhood, like high school and stuff, he was there, but he wasn't that supportive dad. He wasn't that, you know, that that movie dad that we see on television. Like even, you know, my father passed away a couple of years ago. Like even in movies, you'll always see that scene like, son, oh, proud of you. And I just want you to know, like that speech. Dude, I remember him in hospice. Like these were his final days. And uh, my mother coming out, you know, I think I had gone to the vending machine or something. She goes, hey, your father wants to talk to you. And in my head, I was like, yo, this is it. This is it. Like, I know we've had a broken relationship. This is it. I'm going to have this talk. Woo! This is going to be, this is going to heal everything right here, right now. I walk into the room. He's laying in the bed, you know, just like in the movie. I'm hearing that beep, beep. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm getting ready, dude. I feel, I feel the. The waterworks, like, all right, don't don't let them out yet. This is gonna this is gonna be so beautiful right here. And I was like, hey man, you, you want to talk to me? You you okay? Yeah. I said, what's up? He's like, Knicks don't look good this year. I said, what? <laughs> the f- like this is, yeah. Uh, can you call call the nurse? Uh, I want a milkshake. And that was it. Those are the last words. Get out of father. here. Those are the last words my father told me, dude. The Knicks don't look good this year. And call the nurse. I want a milkshake. I didn't get that that big movie speech I thought I was going to get. I, I wasn't asking for the secret of life. I wasn't asking for nothing. Uh, just, hey, I'm proud of you. I'm so sorry about all that. You're that not asking nothing. You're not asking for no money. You know, no money. The deed to the house. You just nothing. like just want that 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 Attaboy. that approval. That yeah. approval I've been so desperately seeking, man. That approval of like, man, you're doing great. I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Nothing. The Knicks don't look good this year. <laughs> Call the nurse. And I and I sat there. I was like, maybe maybe more is coming. Nope, that was it. Flew back home, and then a couple of days later, I get the phone call. Hey, you got to come back. And I was like, all right. The, the expectations were so high for this moment. You know, and I had a soundtrack playing in my head and everything as I walked into that room. I was like, this is it, man. This is it's about to go down. I thought he was gonna. Denzel John Q, me right there. 
I'm not going to bury my son. My son's going to bury me. And one single tear, nothing. My man said, the Knicks don't look good. Which, by the way, the Knicks never look good. So that makes me even more furious. Man, it's so funny. It's so painful at the same time, right? And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of the craft in that we get a place to channel that. Yeah. Uh, the, that that emotional uh, weight, you know, that 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 we get to we get a place to unbox our yeah. feelings, right? And um, and so, but it sounds like you know you also have compassion for your father, and mm -hmm. that you understand he grew up in a time where emotions were a privilege. I, I think about that now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's such a privilege that I live in a time period where I can kind of be emotional. Right. When I was a kid, emotions could get you killed. It, it was yeah. a you, it, the more the more emotional person um, lost or ended up in jail or um, you know it, it it could lead to you get kicked out of school. All these different types of you get labeled, bullied, that type of thing, and. As I'm getting older now, I'm like, okay, I think it's safe now to cry. Yeah. To feel hurt to say, hey man, I, I wow, I felt a little uh <laughs> powerless in that in that situation. What gave you the courage, Eric, to start a family, have kids, buy a house? You know, what what gave you the courage to say, you know what, even with growing up in a household I grew up in, um, and having the feelings that I have that I can move forward and raise a family and I can do this better. Uh, well, first of all, you give me way too much credit. I am by a house. My wife did. Uh, <laughs> I joke around. I got, I got squatters, right? DeLeo. Um, my job did not exist last year. So uh, no, but you know, I think, you know, you, like I said, everything is cyclical, you know, if you repeat the mistakes uh, of your of your of your family, of your parents, you know, and we've seen it with family. Like I don't know if you have family like that, cousins and stuff. You just keep repeating it. It's it's not good. Like the reason I do stand up is I remember my father and my uncles. They would uh, get together on the weekends and crack open beers. Uh, whether we watch the boxing match, you know, or a comedy special, like that's what we would do on the weekends. My family, they would bring over six packs and watch, you know, Eddie Murphy Raw, Delirious, the Mike Tyson fight, whatever it was. And I'd, I'd remember them afterwards, just sitting around, like, ah, you know, man, I could have, I could have been a, I could have played in a band, man. I could have done this. I could have met. I took karate for a couple. I could have done. I could have won tournaments. I could. It was always the I could have been, and I saw that with my with my cousins and stuff. They all just could have been, man. Like ah, I could have. I could have been a, a professor, but no one took that. You know, like they always had excuses for it. So for me, when I started doing stand up, I was like, no, I I want to know. I want to know. I don't want to sit around wondering what I could have been. You know, I want to be able to sit down and be like, yo, I did stand up and I did it at the highest level and I pushed myself. I, you know, I did the Tonight Show. I did the specials and trust me, 
it is not easy. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. Like there's been multiple times where I was ready to walk away because this career is 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 awful. We you have to love this to do this, but it's awful. It's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of no's. But now we don't want that. Before I got, you know, like I, all right, so I, I did the Tonight Show. And back in the day, you did Tonight Show. That shit would springboard you to your own sitcom or deals or whatever. It did nothing for me. So I did the Tonight Show, and now I'm just sitting around, just like, all right, so now what? You know? Right before I shoot that first HBO Entre No special, and you can confirm this with my wife if you ever see it, man. I got that offer in December of, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2017. But I remember that year, things were not happening for me, man. And I just, I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I think this is it. I think after this year, I'm done. Nothing, nothing's happened. We got a family. I can't keep running around chasing you know, these $100 spots around town. I can't keep going on the road for no money. And I was like, I'm done. I, and I, and I, was, I was legitimately looking at like job sites and seeing what skill set I possessed that I could do. Because again, I dropped out of college to do this. Eric, I need you to pull the mic off your jacket a little bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm looking at job sites, like trying to figure out what I can do because I, I dropped out of college. I had no degree. I'm like, what, what can I do? I was like, man, I, shit, I guess I'm going to have to deliver food. I'm going to have to go into some kind of customer service. I'm gonna, Maybe I could sell cars. Like I'm looking, I'm, li- I'm literally looking at jobs that I could, my skill set could, could do. That offer shows up. And it was like, almost like, ah, not yet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so back to the cycle of it all like i could have i could have quit i could have quit at any time i could have stopped doing this gone back home tail between my legs my family would have you know supported me my wife would have you know been happy to pack it up and go back you know there's been times she's talked about going back to her family in maryland or going back to new york near my family but then i would have been that i could have been guy like my father like my uncles now, as far as family and 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 children, you know, when me and my wife got together, I saw all the failed marriages in my family. I saw the patterns of what wasn't working. So for me, you know, when I found my wife, my wife was somebody who, like, I always tell that a lot of it's so it's always funny because comedians always ask like, "Yo, how you know how, how did you find your wife? You know what 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 made you decide she was the one?" Because you know we are comedians, we're, we're like the island of misfit toys. <laughs> we it's hard to meet someone who I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard to meet somebody that we you want to spend the rest of your life with because our hours are so all over the place. We work at night. We work on weekends. And if you want to meet someone who is, you know, quote unquote normal, you know, they work during the week, nine to five, nine to five. We are sleeping and doing our own thing. And then at night we're out while they're at home doing a puzzle and <laughs> going to bed early. And then they want to go out on dates and introduce you to your friends on weekends. That, that, that's when we work. It's, that's our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We can't 
take off. So it's hard to find that person that number one, understands what you do. And number two, I, I was telling him like, find somebody that understands what you do. And number two, find somebody that's going to make you a better version of yourself. And that's what my wife does for me. That doesn't mean she's, she's not, she's not a fan because there's sometimes uh, comics. We find somebody who, who loves us and we can do no wrong. No, no. Then that's not the right person. You need to find somebody who's going to push you to be a better version of yourself. So when I told my wife, I was like, yo, I want to prolong my career. I want to take these classes. Yep. That's what you should do. That's a, that's good. That, cause that she knows that's making me a better version of myself. You know, she could have lied to me, rub my shoulders, babe, it's going to be all right. When things open up, you're going to be back on the road. It's going to be amazing. Nope. She wants me to be a better version of myself. Do this. When I told her I'm thinking about doing therapy. Yep. You should do therapy. Because I agree with you. The things that you think you're struggling with, I think someone that's not me can help you get through those things. Find that better version. So when I found her, I said, yep, this is the girl I want to marry. It's not easy. We, we, you know, we've had our hardships. You know, we still do. Every marriage does. But we've, we've worked together as a team to get through them. And then when it came to kids... I wanted to break that cycle of not being around and, and, you know, doing the things that weren't done for me. I want, I want to raise, not only does my wife make me a better version of me, I want to raise the next version, the better version of the Rivera's. It's almost like an iPhone. <laughs> I'm iPhone one. I've got problems. <laughs> I'm, dro- I'm trying to drop iPhone 12s here. I want them to be holy crap. Amazing. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to mess up. I know I'm going to mess up. You know, I, I, I don't want the listeners to think I got it all under control and know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to make them better versions. You, you, earlier, you talked about how you wanted your father to feel proud of you and, and to say he was proud of you and you mm-hmm. wanted that approval. How do you validate yourself now, Eric Rivera? How do you it's... give that to yourself? It's hard, man. It's hard because, you know, I think, you know, this is in, in our in our line of work, there is no structure. You know, my wife, she's like I said, she's got a white, white collar job. She's a corporate job. Um, so the validation comes through promotions, comes through, you know, uh, feedback from her coworkers. It comes from uh, raises. And we don't have that. And it was so funny when we first started dating, she tried to look at it from that, you know, from that mindset. Like, so what happens next? What, in six months, is there a review? I was like, what you talking about? <laughs> in six months, I could still be working for chicken wings or <laughs> I could be selling out theaters, but there's no guarantee. Um, and it's hard in this, in this profession to, to sometimes stop and give yourself that you know, that pat on the back and be like, Hey, you're doing it because we're always trying to look for the next thing. You know, we always trying to, Oh, what's that dude doing over there? What's that? What's she doing over there? Oh, she's doing a Netflix special. He's doing, he's doing a Hulu thing. Like, how do I get to that? Like, and you don't celebrate those little wins. Like my wife has, has really helped me celebrate those wins. Like when I shot the special, uh, you know, we were, we shot in San Antonio and I just remember afterwards, I was sitting there. I was like, all right, so what's next? What I, and she was like, stop. What are you, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm just trying to figure out what my next move is. She's like, take this in. 
She's like, think about little you. And I, I tell this to a lot of comedians because uh, Ida just shot her special. And I called her. I was like, I know it's the pressure of what's next. What do I got to do? How do I make this work for me? I'm like, T- uh, this is exactly what she said. Think about little you. Think about if you could sit down with little Eric, what he would say if you told him you just shot an HBO special. Little Eric used to sit around, watch his uncles and his dad drinking beer, watching specials on HBO in awe. Little Eric, you just shot an HBO special. And it's hard, man. Like I said, it's hard because we're always trying to figure out what our next move is. And we can't stop. We can't. We can stop. You have to stop. We're not machines. And you got to celebrate these little wins, man, or you're going to go crazy. Yeah, I love that. There's so much talk I hear in the therapy world and other comics have, have mentioned this in terms of some people carry around a photo of their nine-year-old self or their childhood self or whatever version of themselves that they picture when mm-hmm. the you know what the what the little version is. When you think about little Eric, what age is that for you? Man, it's about like when my son is now like nine. He's like third grade. I, you know, I, I had done a, I done. I was like the lead in the school play, and I still was like I knew I was I wanted to perform, but I didn't know how. And you know, that's when like things were like. That's where I felt like I was me before all the insecurities and all that stuff started happening. You know, you get to middle school, and you're like, ah, this is crazy in high school. But yeah, like third, fourth grade, man. That's. That's when I when I think of little Eric lately. That's who I see. I, I know that in the beginning, you, we also talked about how important it is for you to get better, to improve, um, and you know to make progress. And and following you on Instagram, I know that you're you, you're constantly getting in those steps. You know, you, oh, yeah. and, and you're getting in that run, and and you post your your score. How do you balance getting better and pivoting? And what I mean is. At some point when we're getting better, we're going to hit a ceiling, right? Yeah. Usain Bolt can only get so fast. You can only <laughs> lift so much. You can only be so funny, right? Right. How do you balance that? How do you know when you're pivoting and not just giving up? That's a man. Wow. You hit me, you hit, you hit me hard there, Leo. Uh, I think so. You know, I, I, I run. Um, and I, I, I've run a couple races, but I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not like, it's so funny. Cause I, I watched that Icarus documentary on Netflix where the dude was like doping to see if he can get faster. I'm not trying to get faster. I'm just doing it for my own health. Like I do the running to keep, you know, my body healthy and to keep my mind healthy. Like that's, that's, that's why the runs happen. Like people always think it's. I'm trying to, you know, he's trying to get a six pack. No, I'm, I'm doing it for my own mental health. Like I, I got the kids. Once they get up, uh, the day is, is often running for me. So that morning at 6 a.m. when there's no one on the road, that's the time I can really just process my thoughts and go through it. Um, now, I don't see that ceiling as a, as a failure. Like, I'm, oh, I got to get faster. I got to do Like, that's, that's for me. Now, uh, same thing with comedy. Like, it, it it's not a competition, man. Like it, it is, it, it's what you make of it. You know, like I, will I get funnier? Maybe. Well, you know, but if I start putting these weird, uh, these weird um, goals 
You know, like I always tell people, like, don't set impossible goals. Like if I tell myself, oh, you got to be Chappelle, I'm setting myself up for failure. You know, uh, I'm going to be Eric Rivera. That's that's all I can be. That's who I can be. Will I get funnier? Maybe. Will I not get funnier? Who knows? But that pivot, I don't look at it as a failure because like, oh, I, I, I'm not going to surpass Chappelle or or George Lopez or Chris Rock. I'm trying to be something else. You know, like I sat down with this, this agent, um, you know, and it's so funny, you, you know, in Hollywood, you sit down with these agents and, and they all try to sell you on this one dream. Like they can only be this one dream. All right. So you want to be the next Kevin Hart? No, I don't. Kevin's Kevin because Kevin does what he does. Do I, you know, and, and I'm not talking about like the funny or the this or that. Like Kevin is a, is a machine. You know, he's in everything. They're like, well, what kind of career do you want? And it's so funny because why do we measure that success based on this one person's road? It doesn't have to be. Like, you know who has an amazing career that nobody knows about? Is Bobcat Goldway. That's a dude, Police Academy. The, the dude that talked all weird. Yeah, because he he pro- he's producing movies now, too. He's Directing, a producer, he's, he's a director, and no one knows. Because that's not what we see on Instagram. That's not the glitz and glam of it. Like, I, I joke around. I, I sign with this commercial agent. She's like, you know, hey, we're going to send you out this, that, and the other. Man. Like, flow from Progressive? I would kill to have her career. You know how much money she's making? But we don't see the glitz and glam of it. No, we want to. Like people, oh, if you're not a Kardashian, you're not. No. Dude, it's the people that you least expect. And have prolonged their careers, man. Like, th- you know, that's, that's for them, that's successful. Like whatever makes you happy, that's your success, man. Don't set yourself up for failure. You know, you, you know, it cause you're, you know, I, I see you, you, you're in the fitness game and everything. Like I, I, I worked at a Bally's way back when, and it used to make me laugh to see people come in January 1st. Oh, yo, this month I'm going to lose 45 pounds. I'm like, what are you sick? There's no way. Why do you? Why are we setting ourselves up for this failure? Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta have Kevin Hart's career. Don't do that to yourself. Whatever makes you happy and you put in your toolbox, that's your success, and embrace it and celebrate that win. What are you looking forward to, Eric Rivera? I'm looking forward to a new year, man. Like, not the, you know, I, I, I don't want to be that person. Like, oh, it's got to happen. Starting 2022 because I'm I'm constantly working on myself. Like you know, I'm I'm working on different things. I, I wrote a script during the the pandemic. I'm excited for people to read it. I'm working on this new project that I'm I'm writing right now. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to happen 2022 because I'm doing it now. But this this the, the fun part is when and if these things do happen, people are gonna go. Oh, he came out of nowhere. Nah, I've been working on this stuff for years. I've been working on this. For the last year, this script, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't be fooled by the gram. That's what I keep telling people. Do not be, there's, there's work being put in. So mimic the work. Don't mimic that that finished product. So we talked about celebrating wins, um, you know, going to therapy, building up skill sets, um, going for a walk. You know, when you talked about going for a walk, you talked about how it was for your mind and body. What else are you doing for your mind and body? Do you meditate? Are you journaling? Uh, I just started journaling. 
but for mind and body, it, it's it's the run, man. And then just, you know, trying to be for the mind, just trying to be present in my in my kid's life, man. Like that's it sounds cheesy, but it's it's amazing to watch them and the way they respond to me being there and the things we do together. Like, you know, I, I, I know I said before, like my father wasn't around. So like me and my boys, we do what I call adventure days. Like I, it'll be one weekend. I'm like, Hey, we're, we're going on an adventure day so that we can go to a, to a movie or we go to the, we went to sky zone, which is like this big trampoline park. And just being present and watching their faces that I am that present dad. Like, and what I mean by present is, look, there's other parents that take their kids to Sky Zone. But I've seen some of these parents where they're just sitting on the sideline on their phones, just scrolling. It's one thing to take your kid. It's another thing to play with them. And they're like, oh, snap, dad is jumping on this trampoline with me. Like, my father wouldn't be caught dead on a trampoline. You know what I'm saying? So... I, I'm doing it for them, but I'm also doing it for me because that 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 benefits me. Like, there's nothing greater than my kid. Like, my little one, he's five. He tells me all the time, Dad, you're my best friend. Mm. That, dude, that breaks me up like you wouldn't believe. I don't even think, like, like <laughs> you remember MySpace had the top eight friends? I don't even think my dad makes my top eight, dude. And that's wow. being, <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not somebody I would run to like dad I got this problem but I want I, I I truly believe if my kid's got a problem he's coming to me and going hey this is what's going on with me and I'll be able to help him that's a very powerful thing man that has to feel fulfilling you know uh are you reading anything Eric because I know you're a learner you're a studier but are, are you reading anything just for yourself outside of you know for scripts and work uh, now, right now, I've, uh, right now, it's a bunch of like just different, uh, writing, uh, books that I've picked up. Uh, you know, like I, I, I believe I'm like you, when I get my mindset on something, I dive deep to try to learn it all. Uh, and here's the trick. You're never going to learn it all, <laughs> but you know, I, I try to pick up every little thing I can about writing treatments, and script writing and script doctors and, and what theories are out there. Uh, so right now it's just all about the, the writing process. Will Smith has a video about the books that he read on writing scripts. Uh -huh. It's like 13 of them. I ordered all 13 of the books. I, I think I got halfway through them. I, I, I might be on book seven or eight, uh -huh. but I was like, oh, I'm going to read all the books. And yeah. Then, and then I'm like, uh, I don't even remember what the books were. It's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The, la the last book I read from me was the, the Goggins book. I started reading that. Oh yeah, that was, um, and I, I I had to put that one down a couple of times. It, it gets intense. It's intense. <laughs> it gets. I was like, oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot more than what I, what I thought, but I I actually listened to that one, and uh -huh. I can only listen to it while I was walking. Yeah, like it's too intense just to be sitting down and hearing this dude yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you watch his Instagram, that's what he's doing. He's running and yelling at you. It's like it's a lot. <laughs> His his book should have been in all caps. Like that's all, the yeah. kind of dude. <laughs> um, Eric, man, this has been a pleasure. Tell people how they can find you. Plug all your things. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on social media: Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Eric Rivera Comedy. E R I K Rivera Comedy. 
uh, website, ericrevera.com. Uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not doing a lot of tour dates. Uh, I'm doing a few just cause still, you know, trying to keep my family safe, my kids safe. Um, but yeah, look out for, for projects to come out 2022, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing over here. I'm working. I love it. And then last question, cause I always feel like there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Mm-hmm. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Eric Rivera? Wow. Uh, man, that's a, <laughs> I love that. I love that you called me yesterday, like do my podcast and you did not prep me for this heavy question at the very end. Um, man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one, man. Cause I, you know, I, like I was asked recently by my therapist, they asked me, uh, you know, do you think you're depressed? Which was, which was a heavy question. And I didn't know how to answer it because, you know, for me, like I said, I, I, I didn't confront a lot of my emotions and who knows what I dealt with in the last couple of years because I, I ignored it. So if anybody's out there and they're at that point, man, I would just, I would just tell them to like, look back at all of that with what led them to where they're at right now, you know, and, and try to try to sort through that shit, man. Cause it, don't get me wrong, it's, it's tough, but there's no easy way of going through it. Like you could be, you know, in your teens, you could be 20, you could be 30, you could be 40, like, you know, and we're all going through it. You're not alone in this. Like I, I find that like a lot of times people think they're alone in what they're going through. We're all going through the struggle just because, like I said, man, don't look at the gram. You think everybody's living this great life. They're not. There's this struggle there. Like you, you go on my Instagram, it's all smiles. It's all jokes. But like I said, I, dude, I almost, I almost quit. I almost quit comedy multiple times. Me and my wife, we, we almost split up a couple times, you know? It's not always what it seems, and you're not going through this alone. I did this fun thing during the pandemic where I asked people, you know, because I think we were all going through it. We were all going through this, like, just in our feelings. And I was like, well, what, what song gets you through it? And it was cool to have people send me their songs. And I put together this playlist. And I shared this playlist with all my followers. I was like, listen, I put some songs up here that I, that I use to help me you use you sent me the songs and this is our playlist and i can't tell you how many people were so excited like thank you for doing this for putting this together for letting us know we're not going through this alone i have my ups and downs too so just reach out find somebody you know it, it you can't be too proud to ask for help you know ask reach out people would love to hear from you and people would love to help you that's it I love it. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm proud of you. Uh, I approve your message. I approve the the work (laughs) that you've done. Uh, Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. It's not a substitute, people. You know, call all the numbers that are in every single one of the show notes, whether you are in Taiwan or Budapest or Africa or Toronto or uh, Tallahassee, wherever you are in the world, there are international suicide hotline numbers for you. You can talk, you can chat, 
you can text if, if you're like Eric and, and got a bunch of family over and you, you like, man, I can't talk to nobody. They're going to hear everything. You can chat and text. Uh, but there's somebody out there who's willing to hear what you're going through because you're not alone. And uh, the gram is, uh, is just a small part of what people are really experiencing. Uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me, man.